uh, Dean Lonigan, <laughs> for DNL Promotions, and one of our great boxing promoters that uh, joins me in the new year. Happy New Year, Dino. Hiya, Stephen. It's been a long time no here, and good to hear you back on the airways, brother. I heard you on uh, the ASB Classic the other day on Sky. Yeah, I no. Oh, my God. What do you mean? Back from the dead. Oh, mate, I haven't disappeared off the map, you tall. Come on. I was just commentating. You'd think I'd fallen off the side of the earth. Mate, come on. Now settle well, down. Just remember this, Steve McGuire. At one stage, you were like God. You were omnipresent. You were everywhere. <laughs> Yes, that's all right, my child. Just sit on the left-hand side. Hey, uh, another uh, another year, tall. Another busy year coming up, mate, uh, for DNL Promotions. Uh, I was a little surprised, and you can explain this one too, Lani Daniels uh, uh, having to give up her IBF uh, heavyweight belt with uh, that ridiculous rule that you can't simultaneously hold belts. Uh, look, we knew before the fight she had in Songa oh. that that was going to be the case, and we had to have a choice. So we have no dramas with it. And then, um, you know, just afterwards, we made a choice. Lani's actually naturally more a super middleweight than she is anything else. Yeah. So uh, at light heavyweight, she's still got plenty of ability to continue on at that weight. And then when the big fights potentially come up, we can drop down to a weight class, you know, where there's a big name fighter and go in that mandatory position, which is what we're looking at doing at some stage in the not too distant future. So what's that? What's the field like for her to have a crack at? I mean, is it strong at the division that you're now looking at? Sorry, mate, you just cut out for a bit. I looked at my phone, I thought, what's going on? Oh, sorry, sorry. Dino, how strong is her division that you're looking at now for this year? Uh, look, at light heavyweight, there's quite a few, there's a number of uh, people that we're looking at. We've had a lot of interest in Lani to go overseas. Uh, there's a big fight not happening in Adelaide, and I'm, I'm talking to the promoters over there. They thought the Lani Daniels versus uh, Desley Robinson fight was absolutely sensational, and they're looking at running that again in Adelaide, so we'll wait and see what happens there. And, of course, uh, back here in New Zealand, you've got Rosanna Cox, who uh, has come in from England. Uh, she's a Kiwi, and made she's very, very keen to fight Lani at some stage as well. And, and obviously, Lani's keen to do two things. One, unify the division that she's in, number one. And then two, try and pick up some of those bigger fights at, at the lighter weights where she could definitely lose weight and get down to those weights quite easily. What are the paydays like for female boxers? Look, at the moment in New Zealand, it's a developing sport, you know, and this is the first time we've had uh, women head cards, mm. number one and number two head pay-per-view cards. And as always, um, paydays are based on revenue. And that's still building at the moment. So, yeah. you know, that's got to be taken into account. But overseas, there are some big-name fighters getting big money. You know, Katie Price uh, fights at Croke Park, I believe, in April later on this year. Mate, that'll be 20,000, 30,000 people going through the gates. Wow. When those sort of numbers are going through the gates, that's when you start getting a big payday. And I tell you what, there's a massive, there's a great, there's been a great debate about whether you should have pay parity for women. Ronda Rousey came out and says, look, all athletes, woman, male or female, should get paid based on revenue. Uh, and not and not on you know pay parity and I couldn't agree more. If you generate more money, yep. you should be paid more. Yep. If, you, if you're a female, regardless of what whether you're female or male, the more money you generate, the more money you should earn. Funny how common sense comes to play. Mia Motu is a great backstory. We don't need to go over it, but she is an incredible fighter. What is next? And uh, do we talk change in weight divisions or what? No, Mia's going to stay at that weight division where she's at, and we're number one. She's the number one mandatory for a woman. Uh, she's the IBO champion, and she's a mandatory in the IBF for a woman called Adelie Scottney. So that mandatory will come up around June or July. But the thing is, Adelie Scottney's very, very keen to unify the division. 
And uh, unification, when it, uh, from a, a fighting point of view, unification fights Trump mandatories. So, mate, for the time being, we're just going to keep fighting Mia in this country. We're going to keep making her more and more famous, and she can get him to sell his story out there as well, which she does so very, very well. And uh, I would have thought mid-year to closer to the end of the year is when uh, is when we start getting those big opportunities overseas. She's a remarkable woman, a remarkable fighter, and I've uh, really enjoyed our time, um, you know, promoting her. Me and my business partners sort of really enjoyed working with Mia in particular, as we do with all of our fighters. And, uh, and it's been a revelation, this woman hitting the cards. You know, we're the, I think we're one of the first people to do it in a major way in New Zealand. And uh, it's been bloody, mate, really enjoyable, to yeah. be honest. And really part, to be part of the, good to be part of the revolution, Steve. Well, but, well, if you think about it, you were part of the revolution when the Fight for Life came around. That was a huge revolution. And uh, it certainly brought the attention of uh, mental health and a lot of things to people's minds. So it's, it's nothing new to you. So you can be a little, a little bit humble on that one. Uh, two fighters that we have to talk about. I'm, and I love these two guys. Uh, one's crazy, but also an incredible fighter. And the one I think is a, a, a rock star in the making. Andre Mikhailovich. IBF middleweight. Where are we at with that? I thought he was supposed to have uh, had a crack at the uh, mandatory uh, belt. Where is it at? That's a really good question. This has been, uh, the last six months has been an incredibly frustrating time for both Andre and ourselves at DNL events. And the reason has been simple is that we were, Andre's been mandated to fight uh, for the IBF eliminator. And what that means is he's one of the top two ranked fighters in the middleweight division. So about probably four or five months ago, the IBF mandated that Andre should fight a guy called Dennis Radovan. Yeah. We set to negotiating that date. We got a date negotiated. It was all agreed to, and it was going to be December 12 last year. Now, unfortunately, about a month before the fight, Radovan got injured. So the IBF, in its wisdom, then turned around and said, right, Radovan's injured. You've now got to fight the next highest qualified guy. It was a guy called Elijah Garcia. So Elijah is with PBC, uh, um, Premier Boxing Champion, which is one of the big players in America. And they've just lost their TV contract with Showtime, and they're, picked, they're trying to get a deal done with Amazon. I think it's already done. So I've been negotiating with them for a fight with Andre and Elijah, and we were probably going to go to the U.S. to have that fight. Unfortunately, two or three days ago, I hear from PBC that Elijah Garcia is injured, and he can't now make the fight date. <sighs> so we informed the IBF. The IBF has now turned around and says, well, you've now got to fight the next highest guy, which happens to be Dennis Radovan. So I'm now negotiating <laughs> with uh, Wasserman and Dennis Radovan to set a date for Andre to finally uh, get his shot uh, at the world title. Now, so if we win this fight against Radovan, assuming he doesn't get injured, but if Andre wins this fight against Radovan, he goes to the number one mandatory spot in the IBF, which means he'll be, uh, when the time is right, he's in line to fight a guy called Janabek, who I can't pronounce his second name, but he is an absolute world-class fighter. He's very, very good. They're going to, they're looking at, um, yeah, yeah, Janabek is very big. So we'll wait and see what happens. We've just got to get this bloody Radovan fight out of the way first. How confident you are that he can beat Radovan? Oh, very, very. Andre is an extremely talented young man. He hits hard. He's getting better and better. Unfortunately, by the time he fights, it would have been about 11 months out of the ring, which is a real shame. But um, it's just one of those things that if you want to go be in the mandatory position, you have to do that fight that gets you to the number one position. And it's just taking time through bloody injury to get there. I'm extremely confident that he can win the next fight. And I'm very, very confident 
that he will go extremely well against Yanovic when that fight finally comes around. So you wouldn't try and give him a sort of a, a little warm-up fight prior to that, or is that just tempting fate? The When it comes to the eliminator fight, you can't take a warm-up. You have to do that or you're deemed to be unavailable and oh. they will find somebody else. Having said that, we would normally not fight um, you'd normally not fight a guy again because the risk is you could get beat and all you've worked towards would, would, would fall away. But I think the risk is greater that we don't fight Andre, and my gut feel is we should, if he can win that eliminator spot, which I think he will, and become the mandatory fighter, I think the right thing to do would be continue to fight him and just get him ready for the big fight. Man, sitting at 20, you know, what's his patience like? Uh, like all fighters, Andre likes to fight, and they get frustrated when two things aren't happening. They get frustrated when they're not fighting, and they get frustrated when they're not paid. All <laughs> fighters get paid when they fight, and I mean, it's, just like, it's like all of us. We all want to get paid. Yeah, sounds so, like, uh, I was about to say, it sounds like you frustrated when you don't get paid. <laughs> well, it's like everyone, mate. So, but particularly in all my time doing boxing promotions, the one thing all fighters want to do is fight, especially when they're young on the rise, which is what he is. So, mate, we have to we have to get this fight done and we have to get them rolling. Yeah, I am genuinely excited about 18 and 0 Jerome Pamplin in the light heavyweight division. I think we are I think we you are building him beautifully because there is so much in that kid to love just watching him fight. He looks like a born natural. Yeah, it's, for many, many years Isaac Peach has, has said that Jerome might be the most talented one to come out of the stable. And I think we start to see that. And I think in Andre and Jerome in particular, you've got two world champion women already who are both extremely tough and good at what they do. And those two guys, I think we've got maybe two of the best prospects since the, the likes of David Tour and um, and Joseph Parker. You know, so uh, Jerome is something exceptional. Lately, he's been we've specifically selected what we think are very durable fighters. You know, we had Mosey Alatunga. And we had this guy, Luvevo, who was 7-0. and And then we had um, Porky Medina. All of those guys were secured for their durability or the fact that they're real up-and-comers and never been stopped. And, mate, all of a sudden, we got Jerome knocking these guys out in the first round. And that is neither Isaac nor myself thought that would happen. And we've got a tiger by the tail in Jerome where he just gets better and better the more he fights. How far does he go? Does, does he become a world champion in his weight division over time? I think so. Just like I think Andre Mikhailovich is capable of it, I just think Jerome is capable of it as well. And I've got to be honest, right now, this is just my gut feel, if we could get a fight with Bivol or Better Beef, between them, those two are the current world champions. They're both of uh, Russian extraction. One's Ukrainian, I think one's Russian. I think we'd beat them both. And I, I, I think Jerome could become one of the all-time greats. You know, So it's just a case of getting them fights on a regular basis and um, and get his name out there and building them and building them. It's just everything's slowly coming on. And, you know, with, with Jerome, I think there's massive opportunity, with a huge opportunity with, with Andre, the Russian, uh, Mikhailovich, and, mate, it's just been a frustrating time for him, unfortunately. So we've talked about the four big ones in the stable, all right? Uh, who who have you got your eye on that's next? Who's the next excite machine, women and men? Probably the next cab off the rank in New Zealand is a young fella called Zane Adams. Okay, yeah. He's only about 51, 52 kilos. But Zane, he's had five pro fights, five or six pro fights. And, mate, he is exceptional. He's been in with guys who have fought for world titles already. Got sat on his ass in a fight. He gets up and he knocks people out. He's had some issues with his hand. 
But Zane is a really interesting character. He's uh, South African by birth. He's sort of, his mum and dad are a Christian and Muslim, which makes him a sort of a, a quite a really interesting mix from a, uh, a religious point of view. Balanced. And, um, balanced, exactly. Mate, and this is the sort of thing that perhaps we, he can solve the, the problems one day in the Middle East. Who knows? But he's a very intelligent young man and he can really fight. He's got dreadlocks at... Uh, you know, that go to, right down to the right down his back. He's an interesting character, and he could fight. So he's probably next tab off the rank. And then Isaac Peach has probably got at least another two, maybe three guys about to come through. And, mate, I've seen them fight. There's one of them called Keanu, and I can't remember his second name, but he is an excitement machine at around middleweight. And there's a couple more. So what we're seeing out in West Auckland in the Peach Boxing Gym is an absolutely, absolute factory of talent. And uh, Isaac and his wife, Alina, just work their ass off to provide opportunities for people. And, mate, they run about three or four businesses all concurrently. How they do it, I don't know. They've also got a very, very big and boisterous family. I think they've got four kids out there. And, mate, they, uh, they're all fully engaged in boxing. And um, they go through a lot of pain and pressure to deliver the pleasure at the end, but uh, what's happening out in West Auckland with the Peach Boxing Gym is nothing short of remarkable. I'll tell you what, if Isaac or Alina say, eat your vegetables, you're going to eat your vegetables at that table, aren't you? <laughs> oh, don't worry about Isaac. The tough one of that family is Alina. <laughs> you, do not, you do not want to get told off by Alina. We talk a lot about women's sport, and, and we've seen you've got two very talented women boxers in your stable. Is it hard to find opponents for them locally? And, and because of the great stories both of them have told, are you seeing any sort of upswing, from even from Isaac's perspective, in, in young women wanting to come into a gym and, and, and start boxing? Look, I, I can't talk from uh, an upswing point of view in the gyms. What I do know is this, is when we were promoting Joseph Parker many years ago, there was a huge upswing in, uh, with, that coincided with his rise of people going into gyms and taking up boxing. So I can only assume with the increased media that we're starting to see around Lani and Mia and Andre and Jerome, and obviously Joe Parker's doing great things again. Mate, I think you're going to start to see massive upswings into all sorts of um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, com- boxing gyms and combat gyms. Look at what's going on in MMA with uh, the boys at City Kickboxing. It's quite incredible. I know their classes there are absolutely shoulder to shoulder and full, and I'm starting to think that you know, you're going to start to see that upswing in boxing gyms all around the country. And whether, whether people go to boxing gyms just to train, which I know you did for a long time, Steve. Still do. I think boxing boxing is a great way to get your confidence up. You know, even if you never fight in the ring, it's a great way to get fit, strong and healthy, and it gives you an enormous amount of confidence because, mate, it's just one of those things you walk around with, knowing that you can look after yourself if you have to, if people want to push you around. Of course, it took you three times in oh, the ring. Settle down. I'll take my hand off to you to get the win. So, <laughs> no, it was a draw, sorry. Uh, it should have been a win. Didn't take the 10-8 count like, on the second like, round. I knocked like them down. You like a little, you like a little trainer could. You know, it's just <laughs> keep going. Just keep feeding that fire. You know what? You know the scary thing? Even at 58, I'd like to go again, but I know I can't. <laughs> I know you would. I know I, you I, would. I'd, 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 train my, I'd train the house down for that one. Hey, what do you think of this whole uh, Nganu versus Joshua? Do you what, what view do you take on this? Mate, I think it's great for boxing. And the reason I say that is that what's going on in Saudi at the moment is just remarkable. They're putting on massive fights on a regular basis. They've got a major fight. And they're trying to unify the heavyweight title between Ursic and Fury in, in February. And then in March, they're putting on Ngannou versus Joshua. And look, 
and Garner went very, very well against Tyson Fury, and it's the absolute perfect fight for Anthony Joshua to, to lay his claims to fight Tyson Fury. If he can knock in Garner out, well, good luck to him. I, I understand that Garner might be in for a $20 million payday and Joshua 40 mil, so why the hell wouldn't you do it? Gee, it's obscene, it's obscene money, though, isn't it? Well, is it? You know, they can afford it. The boxers like to get it. Good luck to them. It's fair to say uh, everybody's everybody's aspiring to get up there. Look at Joe Parker. Just took probably his second biggest payday uh, up in Saudi. Got paid, you know, uh, reportedly five million US. And good luck to him. Deserves every single cent. Did incredibly well against um, Deontay Wilder. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe was to command ten million US plus in his next fight. And so richly deserves it. Do do you th- how far do you think he goes now? Because he looks like he's coming into he, he, take this the way any way you want it. He looks like he's maturing as a heavyweight. Well, he did the right thing last year, where he took he had four fights last year, and activity makes you better. And with Joseph, a lot of those fights he would have fought for bugger all money, you know. But he did the right thing, got himself fit, strong, and healthy. A big opportunity came up in Saudi with Wilder. What I can say is this. At the moment, there's a bit of backwards and forwards and banter between him and a guy called Philip Herkovic. Now, Philip Herkovic is the number one mandatory contender in the IBF. Herkovic to fight Joe Parker in Saudi in February or March is the stupidest fight he could take in his life. The best fight that Joseph Parker could take simply because that's a fight that Joseph wins. And mate, he will become, the number, if he was to do that, more than likely the mandatory contender for the IBF, especially with uh, Joshua fighting in Ghana. So, you know, I think I'll be very, very surprised if that fight happens, but if they put enough money down for Herkovic, more importantly, Herkovic's promoters, more than likely it, it could happen. Because pl- the Saudis will just pay what they have to pay, and I really hope Joe gets that fight, because if he does, he wins it, and he's just going to be right in line for uh, for the winner of, of Tyson Fury versus Ursic which presents problems because him and Tyson Fury are best yeah. of mates, and I think Tyson said he'd never want to fight Joe. No. So, uh, but, mate, at the end of the day, Joe's making retirement money right now, and, mate, he's going to finish. When he finishes this game, he's going to have plenty of money in the bank to look after his wonderful family, and if he chooses not to work again, he won't, as my guest, or he's going to have plenty to, uh, to, to do wherever he wants to do going forward. Mate, outside of boxing, what else have DNL events got on, or is it just boxing for you right now? At the moment, it's just boxing, but, you know, we're starting to look to spread our wings in the next one to two years. We've got heaps of other opportunities in the market. But right now, you know, coming back from Australia, Steve, like we did, we come back to a New Zealand boxing market that was virtually non-existent because Joe had been fighting overseas a hell of a lot and there wasn't much activity. The New Zealand media had fallen away and uh, it was only with the acquisition, like Liam, my son, pushed hard to make sure we signed up Miyamoto and then signing up Lani Daniels. And then, um, you know, it's only it's only been, we've had three fights back here, I think. And it's just taken a long time to get things going again. It's been, it's, I've got to be honest, revenue-wise, it's been very, very difficult. But I think we're now starting to get on the upswing with Joseph doing what he's doing. Um, with our guys on the rise, I think there's a lot more genuine interest from the New Zealand media. And I think as a result, you know, and uh, as a result, you're going to start to see more and more boxing on the airwaves and you're going to see more Kiwis doing well in the sport. Nice. Well, you're the right man to do it, and I expect to call when there's another show, by the way. Just throw that out there publicly now so you can't call back on it. Hey, it's all it's always fun talking to you, mate. Uh, Happy New Year. Pass uh, my good wishes on to uh, Liam, and, and we shall talk soon, my friend.
I look forward to it. It's nice to hear you back on the airways, Stevie. I hope someone grabs you long term and uh, and gives you the job you so rightly deserve because you're good at what you do. Yes, and, uh, it'll be good to see you back in the back in the headlines like you were. In the oh, old days. okay. So, so Steve McIver show. To 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 use your words from the omnipresent one, you can go now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See, see, you, see you, mate. Dean Lonigan from DNL Events, looking after Mia Motulani Daniels, uh, uh, Andre Mikhailovich, and of course the Panther Jerome Pamphlet. <laughs>